Hey, good weekend to you. Welcome to Leading Edge. I'm Jerry Anderson. Ahead, the lawsuit we told you months ago was coming. It's here. Its target is Ohio's school voucher program, which the many school districts filing the suit say threatens public education. Now, that's ahead. But first, we're off and running in a huge election year. The congressional midterms, a race for the U.S. Senate here in Ohio, and the race for the governor's mansion. That race got a lot more interesting this week when the two leading Democrats both named their running mates, and one of those lieutenant governor candidates certainly is no stranger to leading edge. I want to welcome in state Senator Teresa Fetter. And look who's with her, the man who would be governor, former mayor of Cincinnati, John Cranley, who guested on my show just a few weeks ago. Uh, exciting times this week. In fact, you told me, Senator Fetter, several weeks ago, you were supporting Cincinnati Mayor Cranley. You said, Drew, you got to check out what this guy has done down there. But did you did you know back then that you were being considered for the number two position on the ticket? And if not, when did all of this happen? Jerry, I did not. But, you know, once I heard John Cranley talk about the comeback story in Cincinnati and what he wanted to do for Ohio, I was so excited that I called a meeting with him and said, tell me more. In fact, I'd like to tell you what I think else what else you need to do for Ohio, since we've seen the one party corrupt Republican Party in charge. And I've had 22 year front row seat in, in watching this. So, no, I had no idea. And John called me up one evening after work and asked me, would you be open to consider to be my LG? And I said, well, that was not in my plan, <laughs> but I have to follow my own advice. when I tell others, when the opportunity comes, you should go through that window and stay open. So I have to tell you, yes, that I will be open. And then we started from there. And, she, and, and I know for a fact she has reached out to others and say, you can serve, you should serve. And you guys are on to something. It seems to me that Democrats are poised this year to finally take aim at the corruption which led to the huge bribery scandal in the legislature, which saw the Speaker of the House turned out still facing federal charges and prison time. But can your ticket, I want to hear from both of you, and, and Mr. Crane, we'll start with you, Mr. Crane. Can your ticket do so in so much as Theresa Fetter voted for the bill at the heart of the scandal, HB6, the first energy nuclear plant bailout? Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> first of all, Teresa Fetter has said that if she knew then what she knew now, that she would have voted no. But that bill was negotiated by Mike DeWine and Larry Householder by their administration. And that bill, remember, Mike DeWine received $2 million from First Energy, $2 million to various campaign accounts, including to his son and daughter. Um, and so we know where that bill came from. And of course, Teresa didn't know it was corrupted um, and later called, called for the full repeal. But here's the point. And we talked about this the last time I was on your show. Yeah. Teresa and I have a plan to provide a dividend to the people of Ohio from natural gas like they have in Alaska, North Dakota. So the Republicans who concocted this HB6, they're in the pockets of First Energy, according to the Trump FBI, uh, to take money from you and me and to give it to First Energy. Teresa and I have a plan to create a dividend for the people of Ohio. So the Republican leadership in Columbus, they, they nickel and dime you and take money out of your pocket. Our plan is to give a dividend like they do in Alaska, North Dakota. And, and, and as you pointed out, John Cranley, before those states you are citing, those are Republican-led states. So it makes it a little tough to argue against such a dividend right here in the Buckeye State. Exactly. If it's good enough for the Republicans in Alaska, North Dakota, why isn't it good enough for ours? Because ours are in the pockets of First Energy. Uh, being number two on the gubernatorial ticket seems not unlike being a vice presidential candidate. You know, John Nance Garner once said the job of vice president, I will quote him, 
wasn't worth a, quote, pitcher of warm spit. But Will Rogers once said the vice presidency was the best job in the country, saying all the vice president had to do was get up every morning and ask, how's the president? (laughs) Did you guys forge an agreement? Did you, Senator, forge an agreement with Mayor Cranley about your position having some true weight about addressing issues important to you? You know, my process of going through uh, this decision, I talked to many people I respected. And, you know, first of all, I needed to know whether I wanted to do this same decision I made Jack Ford 23 years ago. And what would I want to do? And so I, I took my thoughts, my suggestions, and we negotiated a partnership. And that my 22 years of a front row seat of, you know, the dysfunction and corruption of one party rule. Um, there are a lot of ideas where I know exactly what we need to do and what we need to look at and clean this up and fix it. And John has the plans to turn us around and have a comeback and to grow the economy. You know, middle class jobs, $60,000 a year is a game changer. I know that as a single mom. So, yes, we're going to be in a true partnership and making decisions together. So it, it's going to be incredible. You know, quickly, yeah. about a month ago, I came up to Toledo for a couple of events and Teresa and I happened to be at a luncheon together. And a man who was a complete stranger to Teresa and to me, obviously, not being from Toledo, stood up in tears, hugged Teresa and said, you saved my unemployment benefits. Mm. And you could see the tears in his eyes and how appreciative he was. One of the things Teresa mentioned to me was that when we win, that she wants to fix the unemployment system, which mm-hmm. has been broken by this administration. And Teresa can add to that. But the point is, she's already fighting for Toledo. She's already delivered. And a, a random man just stood up, hugged her, cried, and said, thank you, Teresa. This is a woman that has been fighting for Toledo. And I'm lucky that she'll still be fighting for Toledo, but also taking that magic to the whole state. Now, you've got to fight her next year. There's no, there's no question about that. He's John Cranley. You met him on our show a few weeks ago. Former mayor of Cincinnati wants to be governor on the Democratic side. And just this week, he named the woman to his right, right over there, Senator Teresa Fetter, to be his lieutenant governor's candidate. I'm going to take a break. Much more to with you guys. If you'll hang in there, uh, this is Leading Edge, and I am right back. We're back at Leading Edge. He is John Cranley. She is Teresa Fetter. They are a ticket on the Democratic side of the ledger in the race to become Ohio's next governor. He wants to be governor just this week. He asked her and she said yes to being his lieutenant governor's candidate. Now, another challenge for both tickets in the Democratic sweepstakes face is the May primary. Uh, You team up against Dayton's Nan Whaley, former mayor this week, announcing a Clevelander, Cheryl Stevens, as her running mate. Um, how do you overcome the apparent front runner? Is she the front runner? She was out first and picked up endorsements. We've got that without wounding her so deeply that she couldn't win the governor's race. Should she be the party's nominee? Well, first of all, I don't accept that she's the, uh, uh, front runner since then he's obviously a much bigger city than Dayton. I've, I've run on the democratic mantle far more times uh, than she has. I respect her service, but I certainly don't accept that she's the front runner. Look, the bottom line is that at the end of the day, this isn't about partisan politics. It's about turning Ohio around and Ohio's comeback. Cincinnati is the only major city that's ever made a comeback from population decline to rising. These are just facts. But winning in a state that is tough to win for Democrats, this kind of record makes a difference. And we're the only team that has a comeback in place. And I believe if we're going to give people hope to win the general election, if we're going to convince some people that may have voted Republican in the past to vote for change, 
they need to vote for someone who's actually delivered change. Mm. And that's what we've done in Cincinnati. And candidly, neither Mike DeWine or, or my primary opponent ha have done that. Um, Senator Mayor Cranley wants to legalize recreational marijuana. You okay with that? Legalize marijuana. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The revenues will be then invested into 30,000 jobs that make at least $60,000 in a year. That's a game changer. Uh, we have a school superintendent uh, coming up on this program uh, whose district is one of the many across the state of Ohio who filed suit this week against the state legislature's school voucher program or programs. What would the Cranley Fetter ticket do with lawmakers, the current lawmakers, seeming love affair with everything threatening public education? Chris, you want to start that one? Sure. You know, I left a classroom to make a difference um, for public school teachers and our students, because if we don't invest into our public schools, it hurts all of our economy, especially our children and their future. And then we're going into the 25th year of an unconstitutional school funding formula. The first obligation for legislators is to follow the Constitution, and they haven't for 25 years. So they are creating a situation that's very harmful for Ohio very harmful for our children, and they deserve a future. So I welcome that lawsuit and the course that it's going to take, because if we don't, and we privatize our public tax dollars, we will never see those pennies on the table. There's no transparency, accountability, and they have failed. We know they don't work. According to the Trump FBI, they gave us the corrupt HB6 uh, bribery scandal. Before that, they gave us ECOT. ECOT was a fictional school that uh, Bill Lager gave millions and millions of dollars to Mike DeWine and to other Republicans and kids were not educated. This is what happens when you let this one party corrupt Republican party in Columbus run public education. When Cranley Fetter get elected, we're going to put public education as a priority and stop these illegal schemes to siphon money from public schools uh, to private or non-existent ECOT schools. Does anybody else see the irony? The Speaker of the Ohio House is from Lima. The President of the Ohio Senate is from Lima. And the Lima School District is part of the lawsuit against the very funding that these guys have shepherded into reality. Uh, let's wrap with this. Senator, no one has done more to salvage and restore the lives of people caught in the hideous web of human trafficking than you. Mayor Cranley, sir, founded the Innocence Project in Ohio, which has gotten innocent people, I say innocent as proven so by DNA evidence, out of prison. A person, uh, Mr. Mayor, in your camp said your attraction to Senator Fetter joining you in the ticket was, and I'm just quoting them, her morality. It does seem that there's some type of a let's make a difference for the little people, the powerless, the voiceless out there that is part of this ticket's fabric. Absolutely. We connected. We didn't know each other before this campaign started. But we immediately bonded over a commitment to social justice, to fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. I've grown the margins in Cincinnati, and Teresa spent her career fighting for those on the margins. You're right. We've The project I started has gotten 33 people out of prison, and she did the impossible, passed legislation with a supermajority of Republicans to stand up for survivors of human trafficking. This is two, these are two people that are in public service for the right reasons, and I promise you we can deliver a comeback for Ohio. Uh, John Cranley, Teresa Fetter, thank you on a busy, busy day and week this week for being with us. We'll talk again before the May primary. Best to you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be right back on Leading Edge.
Hey, welcome back to Leading Edge. Good to have you along in this new year. Back to school in one fashion or another. Students returned to their holiday from their holiday break this week. But in some cases, they were asked to study from home. And also this week, a long-awaited development in a case that some say threatens public education at the expense of private, even religious schools. To explore these issues, I welcome in um, the superintendent of the Lake Local School District, Jim Witt. Good to see you, sir, and Happy New Year to you and all the flyers at your way. Uh, I'll get you to the many coronavirus questions in just a moment. But first, yours is one of some 100 districts across Ohio representing some quarter of a million students which are suing the state over the school voucher program. In short, folks, in short, the program gives publicly funded vouchers to students who can use those taxpayer funds to attend private, even religious schools. Um, why did Lake join that suit? And has your district there in Lake felt the effects of the voucher program? Well, first of all, Happy New Year to you, Jerry, and thank you for having me on your program again. It's been a while. Um, our, our school board and administration felt that uh, as, uh, as public servants, we felt it was the right thing to do to join in this uh, lawsuit. Uh, to answer your question, we have not been affected uh, very much by it, uh, but we, we thought that it, it, our part to attach our name to it as a, as a public school system was the right thing to do. I believe if you go back to the roots of the voucher program, I think back in the 90s, and I've had Bill Phyllis on, the, the guy behind the, Co- the Ohio Coalition for Adequacy, Adequacy and Equity. Uh, it was based very narrowly on students in a poorly performing school district over Cleveland Way, okay, and was designed to give them an opportunity to escape that situation, even if they didn't have the money to go elsewhere. But that's not what we're talking about today, is it? That this is designed only for really poor kids and only in schools that are performing poorly. That's correct. And, and I think it was 25 years ago, uh, it, this was funded, uh, you're right, as a, a district out of Cleveland uh, to help kids uh, who wanted to go to higher performing schools. And I think now it has reached a situation where we're talking about 69,000 kids, uh, about six, $600 million cost to the taxpayers. So it's, I think it's grown out of what the, what the original intent was to something entirely, entirely different. I think the basis of the, of the lawsuit, and I've not gone through it uh, page by page, but the basis of the lawsuit is that it's unconstitutional uh, because the Ohio Constitution says that that there was fund one common common school system, and that uh, right now the lawsuit lawsuit states that it's funding the the state legislature is funding five different systems. Yeah, in fact, plaintiffs in this suit say that increasing the amount of the voucher, which certainly the last budget did in big numbers, is paying for school is paying for schools for parents whose kids, in some cases, never even attended a public school, and that the amount of the vouchers in the new state budget exceeds the per-pupil subsidies that districts like yours, public districts in Lake receive. Now, other side of this, what do we do with parental choice? I mean, if a parent says, I and only I will decide what's best for my child. Well, you know, I think one of the misnomers out there is that uh, public school people are anti-private school, and that that is that is not they're nowhere near the truth, um, anywhere near the truth. Uh, certainly the private schools have their 
have their niche uh, and other school systems besides privates. I think that the, what we believe in our district uh, and our board and, and administration believe that if, if parents want to choose a private school uh, that that should be paid for by the parent, not by the school district's tax base. Yeah. Well, it's, it's well known that I, I support with my little limited skills as they are as an auctioneer or whatever, um, some private schools who are close to my heart here in the community, I think they do a great job of education. I don't see this as public versus private by the same token. They are example, fantastic institutions. Fanta yeah, they're absolutely. fantastic institutions. Yeah, but, but again, some of the reality checks. Private schools kind of pick and choose who they admit. Public schools, do you have that option, Jim? You can say, ah, do. I don't, don't think I'm going to take you. We, we There there are uh, open enrollment students, but there are guidelines that need to be followed per the Ohio revised code. Yeah. All right. Um, while I've got you, I got to switch gears. Uh, you guys, you guys are back to it over in Lake for, I guess, in second semester. I don't know. A lot of people, it was a clean break the first and second semester during the holiday break. Uh, as you know, some school, some school districts though said we, with the rise in coronavirus cases, we really don't think it's wise or the elementary kids can come back, but middle and high schoolers, we're going to ask you to do remote uh, where are you guys and on what do you base your decisions? We are in school five days a week. We have been, uh, we've done that since the beginning of the year last year. Um, we have an online component that we have students uh, who take advantage of that, who don't feel comfortable uh, coming into uh, on campus every day. We have a dedicated staff member to oversee those students. Um, we we work closely with the Wood County Health Department. We work closely with other school districts. Uh, we, we communicate constantly with our school board, our administration, our staff. Uh, we, we try to communicate with our community, but we feel overall that right now our best bet is to have our kids in front of our teachers five days a week, because not only does that allow us to educate them, it allows us to give hot meals to those who need it. Um, if there are other issues, uh, such as if they need a code or something like that, we can get to that in, 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 a, in a readily available amount of time. Did you ever, um, from the start of this pandemic, did you guys ever go to total remote learning? We did not. Okay. Only, only the, the first part of uh, the, that March from, from March to 20. June 1st. Yes. Okay. Um, would you agree in remote learning was seen as a better alternative than doing nothing with kids at home, but remote learning doesn't come close to replacing face-to-face -face education. I would agree with that. Uh, um, what kind of compliance or on the other side, pushback have you seen to your mask policies? Do you have mandatory mask policies in the schools? We do not. We we recommend them, uh, and we try to continue to be vigilant in, in our cleaning policies. We we talk to kids about personal hygiene on a regular basis, um, but we do not have a mask mandate at this time. Um, do there you, are no plans for one. You did was that because you heard from um, residents, parents that don't don't force this on my kid. We've heard some of that. We've, we've heard it from both sides. Um, it is a, it is a tightrope that we walk. Uh, it's a, it's a situation that we, we look at regularly right now. We just feel like, uh, we're better off, uh, overall 
um, recommending that kids wear kids and staff wear masks, uh, but not mandating it. What about on the buses? On the buses, they do because that's a a, a federal federal law. Okay. So, and are you seeing this latest strain about the time, Jim? We think we're out of the woods and there's some light at the end of the tunnel. You know, here comes uh, Omicron or whatever. Are you seeing an uptick in cases in late? We are. Our absences are high, uh, and we're continuing to monitor that situation. Um, well, um, between pandemics and voucher programs, the stuff I'm guessing they didn't teach you back in education administration school. <laughs> That's correct. No, that is correct. Uh, he's Jim Witt, um, superintendent out there, Lake Local Schools. Uh, I know for a lot of you, and I know I can speak personally, uh, Jim Witt and Tim Crew and Lee and the, the whole gang out there at Lake came into all of our view very clearly following the devastating and deadly tornadoes that blew that district apart and took lives. And what we saw out there, I know as news people, we sat back in awe of what you guys were able to do to get keep that district together. Remember, folks, it happened right as we were closing in on graduation and to keep that district together and rebuild. And I have always been in awe of what you guys did. And, uh, and, I, and I stand that way even today, Brother Witt. Thank you. Appreciate that. Best to you. Have a great new year. Keep them healthy and happy out in Lake. We're back with more after this. Hey, I want to thank my guests today, especially thank you for watching. Stay warm, stay healthy. We'll see you next week on Leading Edge. Oh,